Good evening, and welcome to our Wednesday evening service. We're going to continue to discuss this evening the uh, right place, right time about which pastor was speaking on Sunday. And uh, there will be some slight overlap, but I'll likely take it in a, in a different, from a different context. But um, it's a very important idea, and I link this to right place, right time, very much to the notion of obedience. And we live in a world today where the term obedience is offensive. As Jesus said, you know, uh, you will, you will, you'll be, a, you will be an offense to the world. And so while I'm not trying to offend, the notion of obedience is a seminal component of our walk with the Lord. And so when I talk about right place and right time, it's not about luck. It's not about your talent, your looks, your education. It's not about us at all. It's about our obedience to the call of the Lord. We exist for his purpose. He created the good works that he will perform through us before the foundation of the world. Therefore, we can boast of nothing. It is merely our obedience to walk in the calling of the Lord's glory and his acts, his works. So there's nothing of which we can boast. It's all him using us because we're being obedient to the call of Christ. In Acts 17, 28, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. You see, everything we do is in him. And therefore, if we remain in him, we will be obedient to walk, as it were, in the right place at the right time. I contend that there really is no, you're never in the wrong, if you're in Christ, you're never in the wrong place. You're never, it's never the wrong time. And so if we're in Christ, we are where he has planned for us always to be. Similarly, he knew for those who were not in Christ, he knows where they're going to be beforehand because he's outside of time and space. But this idea that, oh, I wasn't in the right place at the right time. If I had only been there, it would have been this. If I had only been there, it would have been this. You obey the Lord and you're always in the right place at the right time. You see, the right place at the right time, it's not always easy or pleasant. Obedience is not easy or, or pleasant. But then again, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for it is light. Often the moment of being in the right place at the right time brings no honor, no immediate reward, not even the encouragement of others. Oftentimes, it's between you and the Lord. Oftentimes, he's the only... It's between you and the Lord where no one else knows that he's spoken to you. No one else knows his leading in your life, but you know it. Each one of us has had heard from the Lord about where we were and about what we should do, whether it's that still small voice or, or, or a shout. I remember one time I was driving and I had fallen asleep and the still small voice would not have woken me up. I believe that there, there were, the Lord, who had a plan in my life, knew that I needed to wake up at that second. And, and it, didn't, it wasn't a small voice, and I woke up. And I remember that moment. Each one of us has moments where we know we heard from the Lord. Are we able to put away our own flesh and listen and obey the Spirit so as to walk in His works? 
Or are we led by the flesh, seeking the things of this world, success, honor, prestige, importance, even something that I think we, many of us seek, but we don't attribute it to flesh, right? Validation. How many of you have lived your life seeking validation from the world, from a parent, from a grandparent, from, from a world that has made you feel shame, that a world that has rejected you, a world that, in which you feel uncomfortable walking in? even walking in your own skin, you're seeking validation. And so you perform things and do things in the flesh, not in the spirit, because you're seeking validation. Seemingly not, you know, we look at this validation uh, motivation as if, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But anything done in the flesh, to seek the rewards of this earth, that's not obedience. To some degree, it's rebellion. We want to be in obedience. We want to be in his calling, his place, his timing. It's not based upon where you are in life. It's not about your qualifications. Everybody's trying to be qualified enough. I can remember like, you know, as I began to grow and, and put behind my old decision making from my teens and early 20s, it's almost as if I felt disqualified right, as, as I tried to break away from a lifestyle that kept me in the wrong place, it's like I was looking for, to be qualified enough. You, you never need to be qualified. What you need to do is be in him. And when you're in him, you need not to be qualified because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he's going to do the work through you. It's about his work. We can either obey his authority or we can walk away in our rebellion. If any of those about whom we will speak here this evening had decided to disobey the leading of the Spirit, God's plan is never thwarted. It's never, it's never stopped, right? If the people in the Bible had chosen not to follow the Spirit or an angel or the voice of the Lord, it's not like the Lord's will would not have been done. It's just he would have gone to someone else who would have performed the will. So we need to be cognizant of that so as not to, first of all, take pride. Well, I did this for the Lord, so he needed me. No, he's using you to do his will. And if we're obedient, we will receive the reward. If we're not obedient, he will move on to someone else to perform that which he has decided should occur, his plan. Our role in that plan is through obedience. Galatians 6, 4, 6, 5, 16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is much of my life having walked in the flesh and not the Spirit. And I can see the, the course of my life having been saved when I was young, but not being in a church where I was hearing the word, so I never grew. Effectively, as we will see later on, when the sower sowed the word, it was though my heart was good and it was good soil, but the cares and the worries and the things and the interests and deceit of this world grew up with that seed and choked out the fruit. That was me for a very long time. But the Lord has a plan. He has a plan so that when you begin to obey his plan, he begins to build. 
your character, and, the fruit, and he grows the fruit in your life, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Many of you are in a place where you think you're not good enough, or you're disqualified, or you've done something so heinous or bad that you can't be used. That's the lie of the devil. Stop listening to that. That does not line up with the word. You run to him. There's a story that Jesus talks about when, when you have a hundred sheep and one, one is lost. What, is, what does Jesus do? I leave the 99 to go find the one. If he's going to leave the 99 behind to go find the one, that one is so important that he's going to find it. You should not sit there and think to yourself, I'm not good enough because that's a lie of the enemy. That's actually deceit. He has the plan for you. If we take little bit, bitty steps, little bitty, if we take tiny steps of obedience, he will build line upon line our character so that we are no longer choked out by the cares of this world and we therefore begin to grow the fruit to glorify him. This is exactly what has happened in my life. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Be led by the Spirit, not the flesh. The children of this world are led by the flesh. Just look around. Look around at a world that is a foreign place to me. Oftentimes people think, oh, I, I don't want the Lord to come back because I have things to do or I have cares in this world. Look at the world in the last decade. Look at the world in the last three years, in the last three months, and tell me that you're not a foreigner traveling in this world. So in the first the first instance I want to look at, and this briefly, is in uh, the book of Joshua. And it's the story of Rahab, the prostitute who lived in Jericho. Right? Right after the, the, they're led by um, Joshua and they're about to cross over and take the land that was promised them. And so in Joshua 2, 8 through 11, I'll just read. Before the spies laid down for the night, two spies sent by Joshua into the city of Jericho that they were going to, be, that they were going to take. She went up, she was meaning Rahab, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, the people of Jericho, who were not Israelites. So they, they didn't believe in God, they had their own gods. But here is Rahab, a prostitute who lives in Jericho, who knows the gods of the people of Jericho, and yet she says, we're afraid of your God. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. How does Rahab know this? Now, I know that 40 plus years have passed since that occurred, but here in the promised land where Jericho is, Rahab says, we've heard of this. We've heard of the Red Sea parting, so we know that your God is God. For you, for you, when you, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, sent uh, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth Below. So what Rahab is doing is this. Does she have any qualifications? 
Is she good? Is she someone worthy of? No, but what Rahab says here is important. She believes. She knows that God is God. And she confesses that here. So it's not about her qualifications. It's not like God says, yes, Rahab, but you're a prostitute, so you're not good enough. I can't use you. You're like filthy rags. She's obedient and helps out the two spies to the point where Rahab's name is in the lineage of Jesus. Think about that. This is not an Israelite. She's not a Hebrew. She's not a Christian because there are none. She lives in Jericho. She's a prostitute. Her family are not believers, but because she believes in God, only believe. She is used. She was a Canaanite. And so as she told the spies that she had heard about the Israelites' victories and believed that their God was the true God, she recognized that God of Israel was powerful and could give them victory over the Canaanites. In exchange for her help, the Israelite spies promised to spare Rahab and her family. It was about Rahab's obedience that she was in the right place at the right time. But God knew her obedience and called her at the moment in time to obey. And she does. Listen, if Rahab had said no, the Lord would have orchestrated it differently. And we would have been reading about somebody else. Maybe it might have been, you know, some other name that we would read about. But Rahab was obedient to the call to being in the right place at the right time. In the book of Esther... Esther 4, 12 through 17. Now I'm talking about another person who was obedient for such a time in the right place at the right time. Verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, her uncle, he sent back this answer. See, Esther was in a situation where she had become the bride of the, uh, the leader of Medio persia the most powerful empire at the time. And uh, they were going to kill all the, all the Israelites, all the Jews, all the Hebrews. And here this Hebrew beautiful woman has been called to be at this moment, at this time. And it's very daunting, right? Listen, the call of God is not always easy. It can be fearful. It can be, it can be uh, disquieting, not comfortable, right? But she overcomes that. She overcomes that fear and says, <clears throat> do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. So Mordecai is saying, look, just because you're in the king's house and you're a Jew, don't think you're going to escape. You have to do this. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. So either you are obedient or God will go elsewhere to solve the problem. But you and your father's family will perish, see? You either do what the Lord has commanded you for such a time as this, it'll be the right time and the right place, or your family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And so what's Esther's response? Uh, no, I'm going to walk away because I'm frightened. No, Esther is written here in the lineage of the Lord and in, for the glory of the Lord so that <clears throat> it says... Um, 
Then Esther said this reply, go gather toward together all the Jews who are in Susa, which was the main city in Persia, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So what she's going to do is do as Mordecai said, so as to save all the Jews who were all the Hebrews who were in exile in Persia. And she does it. And therefore, this leads to the, the holiday in Jewish uh, tradition called Purim, or Purim, where they are saved from this attempt by the evil Haman to kill them all. She was there. She was available. She was in the right time and the right place. However, the reality was she was obedient to that call from the Lord. Here's another, Ruth, verse, uh, Ruth 2, 5, and 9. And you know what, I'm just going to, Ruth uh, 2, 5 through 9. Ruth, who is a Moabitess, follows her mother-in-law, who is a Hebrew, back to the land, back to um, Bethlehem, where she will meet up with her kinsman redeemer named Boaz. She's poor, she's desolate. Her and Naomi, they're going to die. She could have gone back to her homeland to be a Moabite again. But she chose to follow her mother-in-law after her mother-in-law's two sons died and her husband died, and she stays with her mother-in-law? See, she's obedient rather than going back to the pagan or the, 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 where, where she's from who don't believe in God. They believe in other gods. But she was obedient and did as she was told and found favor in front of Boaz who owned the land and allow her to reap the gleanings that were left after the reapers went through the land. Eventually he marries her and she demonstrates obedience and she's um, in the right place at the right time, very much so where she put herself in that position. Why? Because she was obedient to follow her mother-in-law. So Rahab, a Canaanite Gentile prostitute, Esther, an exiled Israelite slave, Ruth, a Moabitess Gentile widow, all believed the God of the Israelites and all were obedient. That's the point. When we think about it being of our ability, our strength, our uh, righteousness, in that we are in the right place in the right time, that's wrong. It's merely about obedience. As we see in the book of Acts, verse eight, um, chapter 8, 26 through 39, this is the story of Philip. An angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book, Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So what did, Philip was going one way and the angel of the Lord says, no, Philip, go this way. Go on the wilderness road toward Gaza where I will send you. Why? Because there's a very influential Ethiopian there to whom you're going to witness. And he does. He witnesses to this man to the degree where he even gets baptized and then goes away filled with the Lord so that he goes back. This powerful eunuch goes back 
to Ethiopia and likely spreads the word. Why? Why did this happen? Perhaps resulting in centuries of Ethiopians and people in Africa being saved. Why? Because Philip's obedience to the call on his life from the angel. Whether he, w he wasn't in the right place at the right time, so to speak. He had to go a different way. He had to go the way to Gaza. Why? Because there was an appointment made by him, by the Lord, and he could have kept going to Bethlehem, which is a far nicer spot than going on the wilderness road to Gaza. But he's he obeys the call. This is what we need to understand. It's not about you working. It's not about you doing good works. It's about your obedience to the call of the Lord on your life. Now understand, these examples right now, these are big acts. This is big obedience. As I said earlier, small steps lead you to these big instances. In your life, take small steps. Start to go to church. Start to read the word. Start to pray. Start to give and tithe. Start to Make decisions so as to walk in the spirit so as not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See, Philip did not understand the directive of the angel to go in the wilderness road that leads to Gaza, but what he did was he listened to the still, small voice that calls us to be in his place and his time. That's very important. In Ecclesiastes 9.11, it says, The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, but time and chance happen to them all. Understand that. Time and chance happen to us all. It is about our obedience, not our qualifications. God wants, to, wants you to have the right timing, his timing, leaving nothing to chance as you are God's child. Psalm 37.23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The right place and the wrong place is more about your heart condition than it is about geography. And so it is that I want to discuss the story of the sower, the parable of the sower in Luke 8, 11. And it talks about how, and this is the parable that Jesus gives to the disciples, and I'm going to read where Jesus explains it. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the sower sows the, uh, the word, the word of God is sown. Those, the, 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 the seeds that fall by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should be, believe and be saved. Often this, when these seeds fall, this is like the hard path that's been trampled down on which people walk. It's worn down. The soil was hard and unyielding, much like the heart. You understand the soil is the heart. And so this has been trampled down and hard. Have you ever met anyone with a hard heart? Have you ever been someone of a hard heart? I know I have earlier in my life. And it's unyielding. And so it's easy for the birds to come and snatch the word away before it takes root in the heart. But the ones on the rock, the ones the sown and thrown on the rock, are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Here, there's little soil in which the, the uh, seed can take root. A shallow heart that is focused on hard problems and hard pain. This is one who is focused on self to the complete exclusion of others. For much of my life, I have lived most of my life in my own mind to the exclusion of others. And therefore, to some degree, this also reflects me in that 
you know, you become hardened by the world. You know, people who, who um, are, you know, they lose a loved one. They say, I will never open up ever again. I will harden my heart. Well, that's a mistake. That's not trusting in the Lord. That's not believing in the Lord. Listen, the world hurts. But how much better is it to be obedient to the Lord and allow your soft, pliable heart that is good soil, allow it to be hurt because you trust in the Lord in nothing else. So when you trust in the Lord, you do not harden your heart when it's hurt. You trust in him. You allow others to hurt you because your trust is not in them. Your trust is not in their relationships. Your trust is not in this world. Your trust is the fact that you're a child of God and he's leading you. That's powerful. Finally, now the ones fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is really far more indicative of my life and my walk. Here, there's no competition. Here, there's significant competition for the soil. There's significant competition for your heart. What is competing for your heart? Many things in my life competed with the Lord for my, the soil of my heart. Competition for your heart and the things of this world. There are times when the Lord had a plan. The Lord has always had a plan for me, but there were frequently times when I chose not to listen. Therefore, I could have been in the right place at the right time when he spoke to me, and yet I chose to go the other way. And yet there were times when I can think in my life that I went the right way. There was a time uh, when I started to seek the Lord more fervently, and I was just, once again, I told you, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. There was someone who was a friend of mine who had become a born-again Christian and was growing, leaps and bounds. She was a former heroin addict, and she was somebody who I knew from a work, the, the workplace where I was at, and she says to me one day, why don't you go with me to this revival up in the woods? Now, that didn't seem too intriguing, I was not overly enthralled. Remember, this was in the very beginning when I began to seek the Lord with all my heart. But I was still a broken mess, right? I was not showing any fruit. I had little character. So we go to this revival, this tent revival in the woods in upstate New York. You know, just as you could imagine. And I'm sitting there throughout the thing, and there, the guy's talking, and I'm listening. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they do an altar call. And they continue to do an altar call. And the guy keeps calling people up. Now, it's not an amphitheater full of thousands of people. You know, there's like 60 people under the tent. So he keeps calling them for like a half an hour. I'm like, all right, buddy. All who are going to come up there have come up there. Can you please move it along? See, this demonstrated my impatience, the fact that I was in my flesh. Really what mattered to me was I wanted to have a cigarette. Now, understand, this was 30 years ago, so I don't get what well, you were smoking. Yes, I did bad things. The Lord has brought those things out so that I could yield fruit because he does the work in me. Nevertheless, so finally, I can't take it anymore. I decided to go up for the altar call just to end it. So I go up, go up the front. I'm at the end of the line. They're uh, laying hands on people who are all being slain in the spirit. Now, you have to understand, I'm a very young in my walk, right? And I'm from Jersey. I think like I'm wise in the ways of the world. I'm tough, and I'm not going to be duped 
by some snake oil salesman. You have to understand, this is what's going through in my mind. So as I stand there, the guy comes up to me, and I'm thinking, I'm not going down, buddy. You lay your hands on me, I'm not going down. And the other guy's there with him, they're both of them lay hands on me. And he says, oh, I'm so glad you made, you made it. You were the one who I was waiting for. And rather than being like slain in the spirit, like this was some emotional moment, what went through my head? I bet you said that to everybody. Oh, how wrong I was. And so they began to speak over me, and he began to prophesy over me. And I broke. That hard-hearted person immediately had good soil. And this man spoke things over me that he could not have known, and it freaked me out. And I wept, and uncontrollably wept, and my knees went weak. So if I just accepted the Holy Spirit washing over me, and, and in that moment, I could have went down, but I willed myself not to. It didn't change the fact that what was happening was real. I just decided I wasn't ready to do that. But that moment was very powerful, and he spoke things over me that have come true that he never could have known. I could never have known. Why? Because I was in the right place at the right time, meaning I was obedient to the Lord. And finally, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. We should sow the word into every area of our lives. We should give preeminence in our hearts and in our lives to the word and so be sowers of the word, not only in, in our own lives so as to produce a harvest, but in the lives of others, even those who may mock you, curse you, and attack you. Understand that this is, this is reality, right? And so obedience to his call, obedience to the times when you hear his still, small voice. And there are many other times when I followed that still, small voice. And that obedience built in me a character that he had planned since before the foundation of the universe that he was going to do good works through me. Why? Not because of my ability, not because of my talent, certainly not because of my good looks, but why? Obedience to the word and calling. Walk in the spirit so as not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Your being in the right place in the right time is not about your talent. It is about your obedience. It is about your falling in love with Jesus to the degree where you trust nothing else other than him. It doesn't mean I'm saying you become hard-hearted, but you trust in him. You trust in the word. You trust everything, and he will guide you and lead you so that that hard-hearted person that I once was gave that up. There was a time when I was hanging out with my buddies in my mid-20s, and I was really close to, to breaking away from that lifestyle. And we walked into a, to an establishment somewhere in Newark. I don't even know where it was. And as soon as I walked in, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, get out. Get out. It's 10 degrees out there. I know my buddies aren't going to get out. And I began to walk further, and he said, leave now. Now, years earlier, I would have continued to walk and said, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. But I turned around. It was like 10 degrees outside, and I sat in a parking lot for hours in 10 degrees. Why? 
because I was being obedient. There was another instance where we were doing things at my friend's house and, 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 I just, and I just, all of a sudden, the Lord said, this is not for you anymore. This is not you. That's that still small voice. I didn't hear it audibly, but he said to me, this is not for you anymore. This is not who I have planned for you to be. Now leave and move forward on the path that I have for you in this life. And what did I do? I pulled my friend aside and I said, I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. I have a different plan in my life. And I walked away. But do you know the impact that that had on that person who was mad at me for leaving, right? Because we didn't talk anymore after that. Years later, this person was not from Sussex County. This person wasn't, wasn't raised around here. Years later, I mean, we're talking maybe, I don't know, 20 years later, I'm walking up the side of the uh, the aisle, leaving church, and there he is sitting in the pew. And you know what he said to me? He said, I was driving by on Route 94 once, and I was going to kill myself. But there was a sign. I forget what was written on it. But you know who was putting up the, the, the sayings on the sign? It was my wife. And he said to me, impact of you walking away from that life 20 years ago, never left me, and I knew that you had the answer. I just needed years more to be able to get there, and now he loves and serves the Lord. Never, never think that your impact of obedience is not important to those around you, even if you don't see it. It could be years in the making. You'll never even know. But that is being in the right place in the right time because you're obedient to the call of the Lord on your life. It, it is freedom. Freedom. It's not bondage. It's not hard. The world is hard. The world is hard pan where the birds come and take it away. Christ is freedom. Obedience is freedom. Stop thinking like the world and thinking obedience is somehow you're a slave. Yeah, You'd be a slave to Jesus, and I'll tell you what, that far exceeds every concept that the world can imagine. Walk in obedience so as not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have gone beyond what I should have gone, so let me move on to now and close my discussion of being in the right place at the right time and say I am hopeful that all of you who are listening know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you do not, we're going to say the salvation prayer together. So please, uh, Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no equivocation there. It doesn't say you have to get baptized. It doesn't say you have to, you have to be sin Believe. Why was Rahab saved? Because she believed. She was used because she believed. The Old Testament saints believed. Why is Abraham a friend of God? He believes. That's it. Believe. The, 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 the thief on the cross, he didn't get baptized. All he did was call Jesus Lord, which demonstrated he knew who he was and he believed. If you so believe, you will be saved. So repeat after me. My dear God in heaven, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose on the third day. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Become my personal 
Lord, and Savior. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you for accepting me as your blood-bought, precious own, and that I am born again. You have now entered into life. You have become born again. Don't let that go because it is far greater than you can possibly imagine than the world that you used to live. Just as I have left that, I will tell you it is far better. It is my hope that you said that prayer and you have entered into life. Thank you for your time. And we just praise, pray this all in Jesus' name. And I said thank you. God bless you. Good evening.